ba ba. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Is, this is so nice to be somewhere so quiet, but it also sounds so weird. I know. <laughs> Uh, all right. Let's sip of my energy juice. Hey, everybody! Welcome down to another episode of Dive Bar Mitzvah. Hey, it is me, your friend Ian, and hey, happy Thanksgiving! You know, it is the season where we get to take stock in life and think about all the good things we have. And I'm thankful for a lot of things, of course. Uh, Good times and great oldies. Thankful for that. But I'm also thankful for, for, thankful for old friends. Um, and tonight's episode deals with that a little bit. And I'm also thankful for friends of mine who have grown up. Because if you remember, I mean, not just people who've died or di- who didn't die. I mean, because that's, that's pretty cool, too. But most of all, friends of, mine who, friends of mine who end up getting cool houses. And then I get to partake in the fun that used to be reserved for the old. You know, like when you were growing up and you're family would like tell you to go to bed early and then there's a bit of a, a, a throwdown in the basement that you're not fucking invited to don't want you to make eye contact but you might have to hang coats this is the kind of fun that the today's episode is really about because for the first time in dive bar mitzvah's history we are in a basement bar now you might say well ian that's bullshit that kind of betrays the whole concept of the show and i say no it doesn't because living in northeast minneapolis we're known for one thing mostly, well, two things, churches and bars. Now, follow me here because we're littered, we're festooned with these little scene basement bars. A lot of them have been stripped out over the years. A lot of them have been ruined. A lot of them people just won't let you see. But occasionally you have friends who end up in a house where these bars are, and they're cool. But how does this fit into dive bars? Because I'm willing to bet... Most of these bars were put in by people who would routinely get 86 for bars. Think about it. I mean, because as long as, as long as bars have been open, people have had to get kicked the fuck out. And today, here we are, and in, in, in a dear friend of mine's house, in his, in his basement bar. But what's strange is, you know, I mean, he's known for a lot of things. He's a musician of note, but very well known as being a bartender. He was, uh, according to Growler, the craft beer tender which I don't think is a real thing, but he decided, oddly enough, I'm going to choose a house as a bartender that has a bar downstairs, much like being a cop that lives above a jail or a mailman. Back in. All right, picking it back up. Hold on. Technical snafu. But yeah, and so here he is living in a, uh, in a fancy house, the fancy bar underneath. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, somebody who I've known as long as I've known anyone in the Twin Cities. My friend and yours, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tony Zaccardi. Yeah. Hi, Ian. How you doing? Good. Welcome to, welcome to my, my bar. I don't have a name for it really. Yeah, we, we need to come. I'm, well, for I think, yeah, for the use of the show, I guess I'll just call it Tony's Basement. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. But if, if you were listening and could see it, it it kind of it, I mean it looks like a bar. Yeah, no, I mean it's, it's obviously pink. the people who built it, you know, back in the day, put a fair amount of effort into this because this is very very bar like. There's a it's a it's a big giant ten foot long pink bar. Yeah, with six mismatched bar stools, grain belt, grumpies, and Target style. Various stuff from the Tony collection uh, and, and a booth over on the corner and some things. This is I mean this is a sweet dig and especially coming into winter. 
because you know this is a season where we want to entertain we want to see other people but we don't necessarily want to leave the house so if you have the sweetest house by nature then suddenly you're in the power position and people have to be your friend bing and I can make them bring beer to my house. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're making the bar. Fuck it. They're gonna have to do some of the heavy lifting. I'm, I'm no this. dummy. Yeah. And okay. So let's go through some of our history here. But I mean, uh, start with the present a little bit. You are um, very well known here in town. You are extremely popular, which is amazing because it, not that you're popular. That's not amazing. But I mean, it's just because you have gotten by. Because you're Tony. I mean, and you're known because you're just an awesome guy who does some stuff in front of people. Like, you do, you have no PR. You're not working it. Like, <laughs> I, me, I every other know. fucking day, I have to remind people how awesome I am, and they forget. Every damn time. <laughs> you, on the other I, hand, just I, exist by awesomeness. How I, the hell do you get away I, with that? I don't have a team. No. No. No, my team is my wife and my daughter, and neither of them are pushing for me to be any busier than I am. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine not. But you're in four bands right now, so you're pretty busy. You're in Let's Go Through Them, and you're in Romantico, which is on a bit of a hiatus right now. Firing it back up. Okay, we're, well, that's good. You're in Crudler. Absolutely a hiatus. Yeah, okay, well, but then you're in Eleganza. You're the most recent addition to Eleganza, and a very busy. important one. But a year and a half I've been doing that. Super busy with Eleganza again. And a band that just played a show earlier today, Appetite for Zaccardi. Now, I had Jason Nagel on the show a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, yeah. and he's like, everybody needs to go see Appetite for Zaccardi. How the hell did this happen? Because you're, you know, you've been in a whole bunch of original bands in your life. I've mm-hmm. never known you to play any covers, and then one day, not only are you in a cover band, it's a cover band with your name on it. How did that happen, Tony? Uh, it started, my, my whole idea was, a couple years ago, I posted on New Year's Day, my, my Facebook, on Facebook, my yeah. goal was to play Appetite for Destruction, which is one of my very favorite records of all time, um, front to back, on stage this particular, maybe it was 2013 or 2014. Sure. Um, that was my new, that was my resolution. And um, Jarrett Ullman, uh, yeah. who's known as he's a GM uh, 331 yep. and runs other many, many bars he contacted me and said Tony I want you to play a show with Metallica at the Amsterdam bar in May and I'm like hell yes let's do it um, at the time I did not have a band <laughs> conceptually you were in but when but I was in the, yeah when the rubber met the road how, how are you going to do it who knows ended up working out the singer for, for Metallica was knows is, is my friend Brent or is my friend Brent and yeah, he, still he, is. he said absolutely I'll be here he knows Guns N' Roses front to, finish, front to back whatever he knew that record and so the three of us put together a band and we still need a singer four of us we still need a singer and that's gotta be the hardest part because I mean it's not hard who's to, gonna sing Guns N' Roses exactly songs? I mean you know what Duff an amazing bass player yep. but really if you broke your hand you could probably find another Duff you in short notice guy. find an axle though that's where shit gets I tricky I had a guy that could play every guitar part front to finish that was but I needed a singer yeah and I called I was like running out of ideas and I called Chris Paracelli better known as Little Man mm-hmm. he's like Chris I think you could be my guy yeah and he went God dang it, that'd be awesome. Except, man, I'll confess, I don't know that stuff that well. Um, but you should call this guy Reed Wilkerson, who, okay. who's in a band called the Jaffees and Black Church Service. Um, you know, very much a showman. He, he was kind of one of those dudes. He took a shirt off and ran around the stage. What you need, was, yeah. What you need if you're, you know. And um, it was about two weeks before our, that show. And he's like, yeah, fuck it, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. And uh, two we, weeks before, wow, that's yeah. really last and, minute. And he this. jumped on stage and did it. And, and, and you know, he need, he had an iPad, 
and, and a notebook with lyrics in it. Okay. And, uh, which I think what Axel does now. So I think I, that is pretty authentic. I think, uh, true to form. Yeah. And so, so he, but he did it and, 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 and that was, we've probably played maybe a dozen shows since then. And it's, it's amazing how much like from, from being a, was it going to be a one-time only thing to now it's like, we're getting called to do shows like at, Real places. Yeah. Now, are you are you thinking? Is, is there any truth to the uh, Guns N' Roses original lineup getting back together again? You think? You know, I I I know people that are close. Actually, really, I know, I know somebody. You're you're juiced in. I know a guy that's really close to that world, like legitimately style, and I don't have the balls to ask him. Yeah. But I I can't imagine they'd have Steven Adler in the band first. I know. I, I I think I've everything I've heard about that. It'd be like the last Matt lineup. Sorum. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean. Or, I've heard I the latest thing I've heard is like Axel Slash and and uh, Duff and Matt Sorum and somebody else. Is he Reed? No, is he no, Stratton? Oh, and no, for Izzy, me, yeah. like if it's the four minus Steven Adler, as long as there's Izzy Stratton, then I'm really excited. It's got to be it. Izzy. Yeah. yeah, if you don't have Izzy, it's yeah, you don't have. Beyond Reed. that, I'm super not that excited about it. But, but I mean, an Axel, God, he just yeah. I mean, it's it's too bad what happens to people, and that's you know when you get older, as we have with some success. Every now and again, you lose track of somebody, and then like five years later, you see him and you go, "Holy fuck, you look like you're 40. And then you realize, "Holy oh, fuck, you're, you're I'm 40. 40. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, so I can't really slag on Axel too bad. But I mean, yeah. I did see the meme, you know, with a picture of him, you know, looking big with triple the Axel. Uh, or my favorite was he's been dancing with Mr. Coldstone. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Coldstone, triple Axel, because yeah. uh, he was not looking good for a while. I will confess, I saw Guns N' Roses came through Minneapolis about eh, two or three years ago, mm-hmm. and a, a music friend of mine who writes, a friend of mine who writes for a local music uh, publication or writes music for a local band, yeah, um, called me and asked me to be his plus one, and I went to the show and I set up in the nosebleeds at the at the arena, and I was blown away. Really? Yep. I, I Axel was looking great, looking mm-hmm. healthy, not looking like Triple Axel anymore. Yeah. And he ran across the stage and sang the shit out of those Really? Songs. So still hitting the notes? He was doing it. Okay. Very much not like Vince Neil. So back to the, that quick story. was show was booked. I put together a band, and I'm like, all right. And, and, and Brenda, who works for the Amsterdam, and Jared wrote, Tony, we need a name for your band because the show is in two weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't have... Jared, and Jared Ullman goes, Tony, how about Appetite for Zaccardi? I'm like... Okay, fine, that'll work. Because it's going to be a one-off yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And now it's, a, you know, three years later, and I'm kind of having regrets about the name. But, yeah. But, but it's already happened, you but know? But we have T-shirts with that on it, and <laughs> buttons and hoodies, so, like, whatever. At this point, I don't care. No, and, and nor should you. And, I mean, I would say you're probably the most bankable member of the band. You know well, I mean? I, if you're, somebody's going to come in, like, hey, Tony, because everybody knows Tony. Because, and how long have you been at Grumpy's? Uh, I've been at Grumpy's Northeast for... Over fifteen years. That's and that's nuts. Mm-hmm. That's crazy that, that this has happened to us. Because you, you, I mean, you brought me there for the first time back when it was Zerbies, before it was even Grumpy's, mm-hmm. and this is when I worked at Cake Magazine, and I met you because you were uh, offering to volunteer there. Because yeah, Lord was, knows we had shit that needed to be done at Cake, I was but we just had no idea what to do with people. No, um, I was we an intern at Cake. You were living in the basement. I was living in the basement, and it was, it, and then you showed up, and then we became fast friends because yep. uh, you were also an Elvis Costello fan. I believe you were wearing an Elvis Costello pin. I'm like. Hey, cool! I got I got someone I can hang out with. I now. was the nineteen year old black kid with two and a half foot long dreadlocks and a leather jacket yep. and Elvis Costello button. You went, who's that guy? That, that's a guy I want to get in <laughs> with right now. We started bar hopping around Northeast, and this is like ninety seven. We were 
Uh, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of other people could say this too, but we were our, we were the pioneers that led to everything going wrong with Northeast in so many ways. <laughs> and I knew that at the time because I saw the looks on people's faces in bars that we would go into. And even on my own, I would walk into statues and like the guy behind the bar, there'd be no one there. It'd be a Friday night. No one's there. But I mean, I would, you know, go up to the bar, meekly ask for my $2 Jack and Coke, which was $2.10. And they looked at me like, shit. <laughs> There's going to be more fuckers like you, isn't there? <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, and it did. And I kind of feel bad, but it was going to happen. Anyway, what do you think about how uh, Northeast has changed? I mean, I mean, because you you've been in Grumpy's for a long time, and you've seen it kind of go from a neighborhood place into a destination. Yep. I mean, is this ultimately for good? Because, I mean, you guys have been doing the art world thing forever now, and it just mm-hmm. keeps getting bigger and bigger and stupider and stupider, which is great. But, I mean, what do you think anything was lost, or is this all gained? I, I think it's all gained. I mean, I... I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I mean, when Pat, Pat, and Tom bought that bar in 1998. You and yeah. I were there in '97. Yeah. You, you and I, we we walked by. We were going to have a burger. We were at Cake Magazine, and we walked by Grumpy's and looked in the and there was a window in the front door. It's Zerbies. Yeah. Zerbies. Yeah. And you went, "There's a bar you'll never want to go to." Because literally, and I remember this specifically happening. We walked up, closed door, looked in the window, and everyone stopped what they were doing and looked. We made no noise. They yep. just somehow their radar went off. There's there's outsiders looking in the window, and they yep. literally stopped. Like the bar, like the ten people who were there stopped and looked at us, and yep. I was like, "Never going to never there. going again." So then we went to we went to Jimmy's. Jimmy's, yeah. You you got a, a beer. I got a soda. I didn't try and drink underage. I was twenty or twenty one. I was twenty. I was still underage at the time. <laughs> I believe. And I I did. <laughs> well, I did not have a drink, but I remember JJ probably was bartending. Yeah. I didn't have it. And then we went to Mays. Actually, got some food, brought it back to the office and stuff. Um, you know, I think as far as but even I remember in 1998, Grumpy's Northeast was voted best neighborhood bar in Minneapolis. Yeah, and and, and literally the, the next day, it changed. It literally changed. That's what did it. Yeah, and and, and um, and and it's been you know for for years after it was jam packed. There because in 1998 in Northeast Minneapolis, if you were under 40, there was nowhere There's you would want to go. Yeah, and it was the one place you could probably easily find, and You'd it find was a it. place that wasn't sketchy. Because I mean, back in the days of the Sun Saloon, back before the three three one changed ownership, talking about Tom Hazelmeyer, I remember Hayes telling me the only bar in the world that scared him was the three three one, and he was right. I mean, these places were sketchy as fuck. Oh yeah, there was. I mean, there was nowhere under if you were under 40 and liked rock and roll songs there was nowhere you'd want to go no. in northeast um you you went to um you went to grumpy's yeah and that was because they, they had they had punk rock in the jukebox they had summit beer on tap at the time which was the only bar in northeast minneapolis that had summit beer on yeah. tap or anything craft like exactly um so, so you went to grumpy's and and beyond that and i made it my mission to hit every one of those bars because i, I mean i didn't think that, the, that their day was over but i mean i just wanted there were so many and being like a 20 slash 21 year old and they were not very serious about checking cards well, i think i hit every bar in northeast when it was still kind of northeast I, I, and i mean i still miss the polish palace i think that was the best thing that we lost i uh i i last week found a polish palace jacket really um uh, my friend Ricky, he was on Fried Bologna Vintage. I was telling, we were, I was lamenting about the Polish Palace to him on a, on a Thursday night. He, he was in the bar, and he said, "Tony, at my shop at Fine Furnish, I have a Polish Palace jacket for sale. You oh, go so get sweet. it tomorrow." Yeah. yeah. And I went and got it, and I'll show it to you. It's and it's fucking amazing. Polish Palace was, that was a bar that was. It's now the Sample Room. When yeah. I was twenty one, my first apartment in Northeast in nineteen ninety eight was like two was yeah. two doors down. I from remember there, hanging out there and. And I hadn't been in there, and I, you know, woke up. This is in the days kind of before cell phones, or like the month before I got a cell phone. I had to call work and say, "Oh crap, I'm hungover and running late because I was at Grumpy's all night." 
Um, so I walked in there to use the payphone, and it was eight thirty on Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. and the bar was jam packed. It was it was like <laughs> it Friday was night. Palace. Friday yeah. night. There was a it was a seven. They opened secretly at seven a.m., um, but it was a third shift bar. So all the postal workers, UPS workers, that's where they went when they got done working. Mm-hmm. So they were partying. They're doing shots of yag, playing the pull tab, the whole bit. It was like that was what they did on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, done working, and so. I walked in to use the payphone, like, hey, I'm hungover late for work. And people were literally doing shots, woo! Partying right behind me. And the one thing I really, I mean, first off, Polish Palace is a beautiful room. Not to take anything away from the sample room, but it's just a different place now. I mean, but back in the day, it had the bar in the middle, and it had a tabletop Miss Pac-Man machine. Absolutely. I just thought the front was, window. Yeah. Yeah, and, and missed it. It is a shame how much things have changed, but you, and you've been kind of on the front line of this. Um, and how did you get started at Grumpy's as a bartender? Because I mean, this was because I knew you. You were working at Schmidt Music. You were a band guy, and the next right. thing I know, you're in deep at Grumpy's. How'd that happen? You well, you you again when when Grumpy's first, we did that thing when you walked by and said, "Here's the place I never want to go." You started Toast Magazine, mm-hmm. and you had your first issue launch party. And yeah. Tony, I'm having it at, at well, it's now called Grumpy's, but it was blah blah, it was Zerby's, and and um, and so so I went there, met 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 you, hung with you, met Pat, uh, Matt, the bartender. Um, I, f- I met somebody who became a good friend of mine, Rachel Joyce. Yep, other folks, and um, that's how I met Crumpies. And I and then I realized, oh, this bar is you know for when I, when I was twenty, I decided when I was twenty one, I needed a bar because it's it's what, I guess that's what you did when you of course an adult. yeah so, damn straight yeah I'm an adult I need a bar now and Polish was ne- nearby my house but yeah. It was old timers, you know. I love the place. This is a place you could go and actually be amongst your peer group. So yeah, so I was like, I started going to Grumpy's uh, every single night, every seven days a week. Yeah, uh, and I just became a fixture there. You know, yeah. I, I started giving all of my money to the Grumpies, and um, and and you know, about you know, a year and a half later, finally, like, I, I ended up living with somebody who was a bartender there, and he, he was like, "Hey, we need a Sunday morning cleaner guy. You should be, you should get That's started." That's right. Yeah. Okay, I remember that. Uh, Hank Swanson. He's like, "You should be. You should start coming in the bar on Sunday mornings, cleaning up, you know, stocking beer, doing the thing." And um, that was in about yeah, two thousand, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And um, about you know, I, I did that for a long time, and and maybe a, a year and a half later, uh, I got offered. Uh, he wanted to. He got maybe fired. <laughs> That's a good one. I got offered that Sunday bartending shift, so I started for so for years. I I, I would go there on Sundays at eight in the morning, s- sweep, mop, stock all the beer, take out the garbage, do all the things. It's called swamping. Yeah, do all the stuff, and then I would set set up the bar, and then I would bartend until six o'clock, which is like you know, which was swamping sucked. Yeah, but and then that but the I got opening. to bartend. Yeah, yeah. And so exactly. then I got to make some money, and I was bar backing and and and. Doing odd jobs at Grumpy's Washington by that point too, um, but 2006 I got I, I left my full time job at Schmidt Music mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I was looking for a full time work. And a week later, the the, the full time day guy at Grumpy's Northeast, an old timer named Dicky Dicky Myers, he uh, was told by his doctors to leave his job. Okay, and and it, that week that's when I was applying for jobs like UPS, anything I do, anything, yeah, and. Pat said, "Well, I need a full-time employee. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you should just just do that." I was like, "Well, yeah, I should probably should." And uh, so I got really lucky. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and you have a relationship that's continued on now, fifteen years later. You're kind of synonymous with the room. And uh, as a bartender, I mean, what do you think about the current status of things? I mean, because like a lot of the places opening are, 
you know, big on craft cocktails, shit like that. Grumpy's always been, it's a beer hall. I mean, is that is that a correct assess- assessment? Yeah, yeah, it's a beer room. And going back to what you were saying real quick, um, even, you know, 15 years ago, in 99, people were calling Northeast the new uptown. Yeah. Absolutely. There, I mean, it was happening. You know, like houses were being sold for like way more, yep. which is, you know, way more is relative now. But but they were calling it the new uptown. And now they're, they're doing it again. And now it seems actually kind of to be happening, I guess, as far as like lower Northeast, like a... Or, or a you know, where they're near where the bulldog is and kind of, of that course. area. Yeah. Um, the not northeast part the, of northeast. The, right. the part of northeast that's the actually downtown. Yeah, the southeast Minneapolis. And I always thought, right. I mean, and I've always been very much of the opinion uh, that the northeast really exists between Central, Marshall, Lowry, and University. That sure. square is northeast. And I mean, and, 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 and as long as it's in your address, sure, it's northeast. But I mean, that's really kind of the center of things. The closer you get to downtown... It's it, it's 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 technically northeast, but it's basically fucking a suburb of downtown at that point. Right. Like I wouldn't call Nye's a northeast bar. I don't understand why people do that. I wouldn't call Whitey's a northeast bar, and they're the ones who have the I love northeast place. Like I think in their basement, right? And you look at their address; it's not northeast. It's, it's across the street. I don't right. care. It's just, it's a small difference, but a big one to me. I you know I I, I guess I, I've never judged too much, but yeah, you're the better person I'm than I am. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's because I'm a bartender. No, but. I, <laughs> I think um, I agree, though. I think I think um, it, it's been interesting to watch the whole neighborhood change, and and I think though at the same time, like it's just more of the same. Like, yeah. Because they're you know in 1998, 2000, whatever. When I started really working there, I started working there full time. Like, there's a thousand people that I've known that I was really good friends with that are long gone. Yeah. I don't know who they are anymore, where they went. Yeah. They're gone. But uh, it's just but the neighborhood keeps changing. And every you know year, every six weeks, or every six months, whatever, there's all these new people that I that I know and I kind of become friends with, and it's legit. Like I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm, no, but I mean, it's odd that people kind of fade in and fade out, and you, like, you know, you, you go from seeing them all the time, and then you don't, but you, it's something you probably wouldn't even notice because I right. mean, it's constant. Some people pass on, and 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 I definitely like I've seen obituaries, and oh shit, yeah, I hadn't seen the guy. Oh fuck, oh shit, that's a bummer, you know. Yeah. Um, but then you know, um. 10 new people come in at the same time so it, it's you know it's it's hard to, and, and without being callous because I love you know being politically correct I, you know but I love I, there's so many great people that I, I've met from that bar including my wife um, but there's so many great people that, I, I, that I've met from that bar that I've actually become really legitimate friends yeah. with and um, some that I they just disappeared and I forgot about them but it's but then they'll pop up you know. They'll pop up and say, hey. Yeah, exactly. And there, there, are still people, there are people that work there when I started drinking there that I still see from time to time. Which is great. And it makes me so happy. Yeah. And let's actually go through this. Because, I mean, and this kind of ties into, uh, you know, except I, I made it 18 years ago, which is just mm-hmm. obscene to consider. Um, but, I mean, but I remember, I mean, but we were both kind of young, hungry, like, you know, 20-year-old kids who wanted to, like, kind of become a part of Minneapolis. Like, I mean, that was, like, on our mind. And... I remember, like, you know, if we would meet, like, bump into Grant Hart. Like, we'd be giddy, like, schoolgirls about <laughs> right. it. Because I'd be like, that's a big fucking deal. But now, I mean, and you to a greater degree than I am, but we're kind of some of those people where people, like, kind of come in. Like, oh, yeah, he's really connected. He knows people. Sure. And it's all cool. But, I mean, who have you met through uh, Grumpy's that would that even makes you go, wow, shit. Yeah, this is, I've made it. This is this is awesome. Because <laughs> I still have those moments from time to time. Wow. Like, I'm hanging out. Like, with Chuck Statler. If I see Chuck Statler, right. who's going to be on the podcast in who, a couple who, of weeks. Who like, I just saw. Makes me thrilled. I saw Chuck Statler about a week ago, mm-hmm. and I still had that moment. Yeah, which, because he did he did Devo, did Elvis Costello in the attractions. Yeah, he did I any good video from the early '80s is him. Within a week a week ago, and I was like, 
But, you know, and back to the bar thing, look, at the time, back in the day, 98, and in Northeast, again, if you were anybody that liked music, that you just went to Grubby's, and it of wasn't course. like a thing. I'm not, but that's just where you were. And so you could literally book shows by hanging out there. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, the guy that books this place and this place and this place, and the guy from that band and that band, we're all here. Hey, let's do a thing. Okay, cool. How about January 5th? Whatever. Boom. Exactly. Um, um, you know, it's hard. It's I can't I can't think of one perfect example, but but I what I do love is I got you know Friday nights. It's me and Patty Costello tonight uh, is I and I should say tonight is the first night that I've had a guest on Dive Bar Mitzvah that I have been in jail with. <laughs> uh, Tony Zaccardi and I uh, did hard time together. I believe for six to eight hours we were held in downtown in downtown jail um, because you were driving my van. Mm-hmm. And but I didn't want to drive because I had a warrant out for my arrest. Yeah, so so I, just, I was I thought as a 21, 22 year old legal expert, well they can't if since I have a warrant out for my arrest, but I'm not driving, so they can't take me in even though the the van is registered in my name. So Tony drove. Unbeknownst to me, Tony also had warrants out for his arrest for <laughs> driving that same van. So we were in. So so I played a show at a place called I can't remember what it's called. It was in uh, Dinky Town next to the. The Rocky Rococo Pizza, which is obviously long gone. Yeah. Joe Joe Holland booked that place. It was called Caf... I don't remember what it was called. And and, and I said, hey, Ian, can I use your van? And you're like, hell yeah, as long as I don't drive. And um, and and so we played the show, and you got in the van with me, and we were driving back to my house in Northeast, and I got pulled. we got pulled over one block, one, one, block ha- one half of a block yeah. from my from house. Hank's house, yeah. From, from the Hank's yeah. house. On Polk Street, and um, and they went, "Who's who are you?" I'm like, "Oh, blah, blah, here's my who's that in your van?" Like, and you gave me your name. Like, oh shit, boys, you're coming downtown <laughs> with us. We're t-. I'm like, literally, no, my house is. He's like, "Nope." Yeah, I literally, we could see my house from where we towed the van. And from. you parked in front of a vacant lot, and that did not stop them from towing my van. They like, told like, you like van. we were parked legally. They took my damn van on a city street. They took your van. Just took it. Um, like insult to injury it's not bad enough I'm going to jail although with my best friend so hey everything will be okay there but fuck do you gotta take my van I mean and I still have my uh, my mugshot my mugshot up on my Facebook mine's up there too you know that was that if if you remember correctly um by the way, that was one of three times I got pulled over in that van yeah what how what else happened we got pulled that, over that that van kind of ended up uh, leading to our downfall in many ways. Because I know that, yeah, you that ended van, up surprising I, some cops. I, I once borrowed that van to go out to play a show again with Joe Hay- Joe Hall and Joe Hastings. Uh, Rickle Grass and Chop Logic. It was out, out west of the cities. And on the way back into town, we, there's a whole group of us in the van. It's like, hey, let's stop in Darwin at the home of the Ball of Twine. Yeah, why not? And the kid whose grandfather did the Ball of Twine, my buddy Adam, was like, that's my grandpa's ball of twine. Let's go. I'm like, fuck it. Yeah, we're a block away. Whatever. How can you say So no? we pull over to the ball of twine. Well, in the back of the van, again, now it was like, you know, nine in the morning after a night of partying. Yeah. And in, in the, the back of the, the windows were all taped up in the van. So you couldn't see the gear so you couldn't inside. See, you yeah. couldn't see outside the back. Couldn't see the gear. So we, I get out and, and I get out. And I'm like, all right, guys. I go to let, every, let everybody out of the back. Not realizing we had been pulled over. <laughs> and there's a cop car there. And the cop was like, what are you doing? And he ducked down behind his door, had his gun drawn, and he was like, what the F is going on? Yeah. And I'm, because at that point, I'm unlocking the back of the door, and people are starting to pile. This is like suburban 90s kids, you know, yeah, yeah. piling out of the van. And he's like, what's going on? 
Where, where's Ian? <laughs> I'm like, well, Ian's not here. He's like, who are you? I'm like, Tony Zuccardi. He goes, oh, fuck. All right. So Don't. these cops were, were pulled out, pulled you over with guns drawn looking for me. Yeah. And I want to be straight here because, you know, while I love that story to be out, this, I believe, was based upon solely parking tickets. Because this is when I lived in Loring Park. And what I decided to do is just get all the parking tickets I could and say, fuck it. So that was pretty much the beginning of my thought process on this. But then I was like, all right, well, I better get this taken care of. So I went downtown and, like, you know, went in front of the magistrate or whoever the fuck you talk to about parking tickets. And we got it down to a nice round number that I would pay off. And I signed a promissory note saying, okay, no problem. I'll take care of this. But right around that time, South by Southwest happened. And I'm like, I could spend the $300 on these bullshit parking tickets for daring to park outside of the apartment building I live in on LaSalle. Or I could go to South by Southwest. And I said, fuck it, I'll go to South by Southwest. So the real problem, and I believe why I I ended up in jail with you that time, is because I just didn't pay the promissory note. It wasn't the tickets. It was the promissory note therein. So kids, if you're listening, let that be a lesson. When you sign a promissory note, it. it means that you should promise to pay it and that you actually should fucking pay it. Okay, uh, now it's time to do something we do every week here on Dive Bar Mitzvah. Um, give me a number between 1 and 10, Tony Zuccardi. Mm, 6. 6, okay. What we're going to do is the James Lipton question. I have a numbered list of questions that James Lipton has asked on Inside the Actors Studio. <laughs> um, and you gave me number 6. And I believe we've done number 6 before. Let's see how it goes this time. Number 6. What sound or noise do you hate, Tony Zuccardi? Sound or noise. Wow. What, can, I, can I ask a different number? Yes, you can. What number do you want? I want number seven. Number seven? I think we've also done... Um, okay, this is the classic James Lipton question. Um, here it is. It is, what is your favorite curse word? Well, I guess the one I say most is probably fuck. Fuck is everybody's favorite curse word. And I think that shows how lame Inside the Actor's Studio is, that that's shit. even a question. <sighs> shit. Yeah. So you're going for shit or fuck? I'm going shit. Shit. Fuck okay, good. Fuck it. Shit. Yeah, all right. Um, all right. So what else do you have coming up on the horizon here, Tony Zuccardi? We've got a cold winter in front of us. You've got a sweet bar in your basement. Um, are we all invited? When's the big party here? And I brought over, I brought, and I'm not being a bad guest, I brought over uh, two things of, stir, of, uh, of uh, stir sticks. I have at my house, I mean, I have a collection that's gone out of control. This is something I don't think I've ever really said about myself. Uh, much in public and definitely not on the podcast because I have something like, I want to say, 5,000 uh, stir sticks. And I brought over a healthy a healthy chunk for you as something because every good bar should have some. No, man, I, I would even venture to say, like, I would assume that this is more than this amount of stir sticks you brought to me in these two glasses. One of them is... I mean, I would say this is more than most people have ever even considered owning in their lives. It's, it's too many. Uh, I mean, and this these is are, probably... It, Two, three hundred. Yeah, it's a bunch. Um, and let's just grab one at random. I've got one here from Haraz in Vegas. I'm I've going got in Dave. I got this one I got from uh, Portland, Portland Golf, Golf Club. Club. Sure. I mean, who um, hasn't been to the Portland Golf Club? Yeah, I mean, but and I got one here from the Dunes. The Dunes is long gone, but its stir stick lives on. Uh, here's one from Charlie's Cafe Exceptional that used to be in downtown Minneapolis. We got one here from the... Uh, ooh, here's a here's a gold Lexington one from St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, uh, so there's good ones here. May they get used uh, proudly here in Tony's Basement Bar, tonight's place for Dive Bar Mitzvah. Tony, thank you for inviting me to your basement wonderland. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, it was great. Thank you. Uh, I will cheers you right here. All right. 
And now it is time for me to give a shout out to my sponsors. And I have a new one because I have giveaways that I will be giving away this Tuesday. Yeah, this this Tuesday. It's Thursday's uh, Thanksgiving, so I won't be doing the match game. But I'll probably have them the week thereafter. We have fancy new Dive Bar Mitzvah t-shirts, everybody. Um, our classic logo, which was stolen as the MLB, the Major League Baseball logo. We now have shirts, and they are made by our friends over at FGC Creative. So not only are they awesome for getting me these shirts to give to you, they're also awesome. So hey, attention bands and bars. If you're looking to get the most out of your marketing budget, they've got the deal of the year for you happening right fucking now. Um, FGC Creative will design a shirt with your logo and screen printed on the best shirts around. But here's the deal. Say you heard it on Dive Bar Mitzvah and you can get them for five fucking dollars each. The profanity wasn't in the uh, text they gave me. I added that to add the added emphasis because it's important. Five dollars. Get your logos on shirts. Uh, there are no design fees. There are no setup charges. And the shipping is free. Hot damn. So visit them on Facebook or at fgccreative.com. They're our new sponsor. And I'd like to thank them very much for being a part of it and making this shit happen. FGC Creative. Seriously, look them up. They make great shirts. Or find me this Tuesday at Club Jaeger when I host Triviasco and find out firsthand when I give you a shirt. Just walk up to me and say, hey, those fucking shirts you're talking about, I want one, and I will hook you the hell up. Also, our friends over at One Car Service, the official drivers of Dive Bar Mitzvah, driving smiles that extra miles, call 612-545-5848. Program that in your phone uh, and find them on Facebook. Yet again, that number is 612-545-5848. Call them for a ride. Do it now. Uh, and, of course, our friends over at Stand Up Records. We like our comedy like we like our booze. Straight up and bitter. Check them out at StandUpRecords.com. they got new records coming out all the time. And please find their Roku channel. You can find old episodes of Dreams Ian on there and other stuff you might actually want to watch. Uh, and, always in the picture and always in good taste, Paps Blue Ribbon. Add extra flair to those leisure time activities. Put original Paps Blue Ribbon in the picture. People of good taste naturally go for its old-time beer flavor. Original Pabst is brewed as it was when it won the Blue Ribbon in 1893. So next time, put yourself in the picture and enjoy original Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yet again, uh, find me at Triviasco this Tuesday at Clubhouse Jaeger, 8 o'clock. I will be uh, giving away bar money, asking dumb questions you shouldn't care about, but giving away t-shirts for the podcast you're listening to. Be the first one there, and I'll give you a kiss right on the fucking lips. That's Divar Mitzvah, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. Tony, thank you for letting me hang out downstairs. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.